Welcome to the study of God's Word recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Good morning! Are you the rowdy crowd? Oh, yeah, see, you a little more committed than the other two services. When I ask the other services, are you the rowdy crowd? They're like, yeah, I guess so. Okay, all right, you're the rowdy crowd. Okay, listen, I love to interact with people when I teach. Let's me know that they're with me in the room, so that's okay. Uh, We gonna get a little rowdy this morning. Is that okay, get a little rowdy? Okay, listen, I'm gonna ask you guys, there you go, that, that, there's my people. All right, now, hey, so... (laughs) Uh, please open your Bibles to uh, Philemon, if you would. Uh, we're going to go ahead and look at that together this morning. Um, but as you're turning there, I want to share a little bit about myself. Uh, I probably won't be using the pulpit too much because I'm short. That's the first thing I need to tell you. Um, and this thing is, if I had a box or something like a phone book or something, I could stand on it be all right. But I let, let, just about my life, I, was ra- I didn't get raised in a Christian home. I didn't come to faith till I was 20 years old. Um, I have a darkness to light testimony. I was in the darkness and I had seen a great light and God drew me into his love uh, through that light. And so that was my testimony. Uh, I was in college when that happened and I went to college for music education. So uh, I'm a music teacher by my undergraduate education. My postgraduate's obviously Jesus stuff, but uh, what you have to understand about my undergrad is I'm still an artist. I'm still a creative person. Um, I'm one of those people that are always, I'm always creating, I'm always doing stuff like that. And so I appreciate artists, I appreciate art, I appreciate all that, it's part of my personality. Um, And the day I got saved, I met a beautiful young woman named Lori, who has now been my wife for over 30 years. We have four children, we have an oldest daughter who's adopted and three boys. Uh, We have a brand new grandbaby named Ivy, who I hope is watching right now. So granddad says hi. Um, And then also, of course, I have a son in love who is uh, Chris, who uh, married our daughter, and we're so blessed with our family. My wife is also a musician. She's been a professional harpist most of her life. And so as I was an orchestral percussionist, I played marimba and vibraphone and all that stuff. Um, My wife is a harpist, and she just retired from 30 years as the principal harpist for uh, the Idaho State Civic Symphony. And and also, uh, she's a teacher. And so my wife teaches gifted and talented students. So she takes kids that have a, they're they're testing really high, and she helps and pushes them farther. Um, I've gone into her math classes, and I don't like math. And I've gone into her math classes, and it looks like uh, the, the it looks like numbers. You know, the, remember the show Numbers? You know, and to the, like fourth graders doing all this stuff on the board, and I'm like, who are these children? Uh, and so my wife is really smart, really gifted. I don't know why she married me. God's grace, I suppose, because uh, I'm married up, and I'm thankful for that. I've been in ministry for over 35 years, um, and I'm a transitional pastor. I've actually been in several different churches, and. 
uh, have been the lead pastor at three different churches. One was an interim. The other was a, a senior pastor in a small town of about 3,000 people for almost a decade. And then I've been in Idaho Falls now for six years. And I love our church family and I love building gospel culture. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that today as I talk about love with you guys. Now, uh, you guys understand that love's kind of the whole point, right? Yeah, because you understand that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So who's a whosoever? Who's a whosoever? Right? Because you're a whosoever, right? Because if you believe in Jesus, you can have eternal life. Whosoever wants to believe in Jesus. Now, what, one of the things we see about John 3.16 is that there was love that led to an action. So let, look at it like this. If you're a note taker, you want to write it down. If love is a fact, it leads to an act. If love is a fact, it leads to an act. So you can't just say you love people. You, you, as a church, we can't just say we love people. We actually have to love people. <laughs> and people are not lovable. <laughs> Isn't it real, though? Okay, let me ask you a question about this whole keeping our word thing, okay? Because if there's truth, right? So my dad uh, used to say to me, he says, listen, if you say you're going to take the trash out and you don't take the trash out, then your word is trash. Now, some of you are like, ooh, I, said, I was raised by a Marine. Ooh, wow, that's the way it rolled in my house, right? So it's like no messing around with my dad. That was it. You know what? If you said you're going to do it, you do it. How many of you, this is, okay, how many of you guys understand there's like coffee and donuts downstairs. It'll be okay when we're done. A, 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 a cup of coffee and a donut will heal most wounds, okay? So please understand, I'm about to say something to y'all. It's going to get uncomfortable. You, you okay with that? How many of you have ever said you was going to pray for somebody and didn't pray for them? Show your hands. Okay, those of you who didn't raise your hand, bunch of liars anyway. But that's, that's all right. But here's, here's, the, here's the real, right? The reality is we say, oh, I'm going to pray for you. Then we don't pray for people. So let me help you with something. I got a way to connect those dots. When somebody says, would you pray for me? Say yes, and then pray for them. When? Right then. <laughs> because then you don't have to go away and say, who that says I'm going to pray for? <laughs> then you're doing one of these on your knees at night. You're like, Lord, I just want to pray for everybody I said I was going to pray for. So there it is. <laughs> you know, it's like you're just trying to cover your base with God. Like he knows. He's looking at you going, Really? Right? Dude, take a notepad. Write it down. Right? So, but that's a reality, right? If we're going to love people, we actually have to love people. We actually have to connect with them in a way that they recognize the love of God through us. Listen very carefully. That they recognize the love of God through us as God's people. And so I want to look at Philemon because, you know, Paul says, man, I'm talking to you for love's sake. Because of love is the reason I'm asking you to restore a man who stole from you, who hurt you. I want you to restore him as a person of faith because he's come to faith. So that's kind of the, the premise of everything we're going to look at. But let's go ahead and talk about this for a second. First of all, he says this and he starts with this. Paul, everybody knows who Paul is, right? Paul was a mess. Paul was a guy, he was known as Saul. He held the coats while Stephen was stoned. He was so mad at the way, he was, those who followed Jesus, he was so mad at them, he got paperwork 
to go and imprison them or take their lives if they continued to follow Jesus. How many of you think he was a problem child? He's a problem child for the kingdom of God. And yet he's on the road in all of his fury. Paul's in all of his fury and God shows up. How many of you had that encounter? You were going through life and all your stuff, all your fury, all your stuff, and then God shows up and you had a problem because you had an encounter with God. Who had the encounter with God? Oh, I had an encounter with God. It was, it was one o'clock in the afternoon. I was talking to a guy named John Mitchell. I thought he was a recruiter for the Navy. Come to find out, he's the campus crusade for Christ director on campus. He starts asking me questions. I'm like, get to your point. He goes, you going to hell. <laughs> and, and then he looks at me. I'm like, I'm dumbfounded. I have no idea what to say. And he looks at me. He goes, so what you going to do about it? I said, I don't know. You have all the answers, right? But see, people have been sharing faith with me. And I had an encounter with Jesus at that moment. And my whole world got undone. Church, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you have an encounter with Jesus today, your whole world's going to get undone. And it's the good kind of undone because he loves you. Now, understand, he says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, there's something about this world. This world wants to trap us. Did you guys know the world wants to trap us? The things of this world, want the love of the world, lust of the flesh, pride of life, right? All those things that uh, John talks about in 1 John chapter uh, 2, verses 15 through 17, right? All those things. The world wants to trap us. Listen, if anything's going to have my life, it's going to be Jesus, and I hope you can say the same thing. Listen, I'm, if I'm going to be trapped by anything, it's the love of God that constrains me. It's going to be my life with Jesus. And I love it. He says, I'm a prisoner, but I'm not a prisoner of the world. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You can lock me up, but I still belong to Jesus. I don't care what's going on in your life. You belong to Jesus and he loves you deeply. Now he says, he says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, and Timothy, our brother. Now there's something interesting about this idea of Timothy, our brother. Because Paul was not only saying, look, I belong to Jesus. I don't care what my circumstance is in life, but I also belong to a family of people and I do ministry with other people. There is no lone wolf being a Christian. It doesn't work that way. You can't just be on your own. You're part of the body of Christ. We invest in one another. That's the love that we show towards one another. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But he goes on and he continues on. He says, to Philemon. That's the focus of this letter. Now, there are three words we use uh, in Bible study back home. We talk about this all the time. And I'm going to share those three words with you. These are important three words. I want you to write them down if you're a note taker. If you're a note taker, you want to write these three words down. Put one, two, three. It's really important. Pay attention, write them down. I'll go slow. All right, are you ready? Number one is context. Number two is context. Number three is context. Do you guys realize that you are reading a private letter? Yes, it was written to others. It was written to the church that was in the house, but it's a small group of people. But like Timothy and Titus, they're letters from one man to another man. And so Philemon is that. It's, it's, it's a letter from Paul to this man and also those who are in his household and those that are there and the, the church that's in the house where he's serving. And so he goes on, he says to Philemon, he says, our beloved and fellow laborer. If you and I are going to say that we serve God, we should probably do what? 
serve God. And if we love God, we're going to serve him. Are we those that are loved? Do we know that we're loved? Do you actually know that you're loved? Maybe today, you don't know. Maybe you've been in church for a while. Maybe this is your first time in church. But maybe you just don't. Do you, do you know that God loves you? God loves you so deeply. And, and the people around you love you as well. See, you are beloved. And I want you to know that. But I love what he says. He says, you are our beloved and you are our fellow laborer in Christ. You're serving the Lord with us and we're so blessed by that. And then he goes on and he says, he says to the beloved Apphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier. Man, I'm gonna tell you right now, man, Paul says this. He goes, man, look, if I belong to anybody, I belong to Jesus. I do ministry with a group of people, but Timothy's part of this. Philemon, you're part of this. You're a fellow laborer. We're doing this thing together. And then he talks his to this, uh, he says to Archibus, he says, man, you're my fellow soldier. Man, you have stepped up when it was hard. Is following Jesus easy? No, we got to step up when it's hard. And so you and I are going to step up. We're not only going to be fellow laborers, but we're going to be fellow soldiers. We're going to link arms. We're going to lock shields. And we're going to say, no more. We're going to tell the world about the love of Jesus. That's the fight that you and I fight. That's the fight that we face. Because the world needs to know about the love of God. Now he goes on in verse 3, and he says to them right before, he says, now to the church that's in your house. So these two, by the way, they were hosting the church in their home, which is very common in the ancient Near East world in that first century. And so now it goes on, it says, grace to you in peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to be honest with you, as a pastor, every time I read a Paul epistle, right, a Pauline epistle, Man, I, I have to go through this grace and peace thing, but I'm going to say it anyway because some of you may have never heard it. Did you know that you will never know God's peace until you experience his grace? Did you guys know that? You have to experience the grace of God before you can experience the peace of God. So what is the grace of God? The grace of God is God's unmerited, undeserved favor upon you. It's the gift of God. It's the gift of eternal life. But we have a culture that's a gospel culture. So the gospel can be defined, but there's lots of ways to define the gospel. But think about it like this. The gospel being God's grace for the undeserving. God's grace for the undeserving. You're undeserving and God has given you grace. But a gospel culture is when we share that grace with one another. What does that mean? That means if we're in a house of love, you can be real about who you are and you're going to receive grace from the people around you because they've received grace from God. Now, this is how we say this back home. This is how we talk about this back at Water Springs. We say it like this. We say, as a church, we're going to love up. We're going to love in. We're going to love out. And we're going to love now. What does that mean? Loving up. That makes sense, right? We're going to love God. We're going to love him with everything we've got. So we're going to love God fully and completely. Number two, we're going to love in. That means we're going to love the community of the body of Christ fully and completely. We're going to build one another up in the most holy faith. We're going to stir one another up to love and to good works. We're going to build the body of Christ. And out of a Jesus community comes the mission. So we love out. That means we take that love that God has given us. We're going to take that love. And we're going to take it out the doors. And we're going to take that into the world. Now we're going to love now. What does love now mean? Love now means grace needs to be given and experienced by people in real time. Okay, let me, let me talk to you about experiencing grace in real time. Okay, so um, if I say this, finish the sentence. David was a man after? See, that's how we know David. But let's be real for a minute. 
let's talk about King David. King David decided at one point, I'm not going to go to war with the rest of the boys like I should. I'm going to stay home. Maybe he's feeling like he's getting a little older. I can relate to that. Getting a little older, he's going to stay home. And he's on the, the top of the palace. And he's looking down and there's a, a young gal taking a bath. That's why we call her Bathsheba. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, but no, but no, she's she, she taking a bath, right? And he looks at her and he doesn't go, oh, Lord, I shouldn't look. That's not my, I should, I should look away. He doesn't do that. He does one of these. And then he invites her over, has an affair with her, gets her pregnant. By the way, how long has her husband been gone? He's been at war. It's been a while. Gals, you know that you, that doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes got to pass before you know you're pregnant. So something's been going on for a while. So he invites Uriah home to sleep with his wife to cover up his sin. Uriah is such a man of integrity, he won't do it. He, he even tries to get him drunk and he won't do it. So then he writes a letter to the leader of the army to send Uriah out front to get him killed. And Uriah took it with his own hands because he was such a man of integrity. What a great contrast between the man that we know as the man after what? God's own heart. So let's be real. Why can we say that David was a man after God's own heart? Grace. The reason we say David was a man after God's own heart is because we see grace poured out upon him. But we have a tendency to read the Bible into the past and we don't, and we don't realize oh, that we oh, grace is something about the past. Did you know right now you could come to Jesus with all your mess right now and you're going to experience grace? You'll experience it for me. I'm going to tell you that right now. Do you know why? Because I'm messed up. I am messed up. My life is messed up. My future is bright. You can get in on it because God loves you too. But you have to know something. If you come and you express your brokenness, your sin to me, I'm going to share with you the grace that I have been afforded. That's what makes us a gospel community as the church. As we love one another, as we should, as we love up, love in, love out, and we love now, we show grace and love in real time. Well, this is what's been going on. Check this out. He goes on and he says this. Paul goes, man, I thank God for you. He says, I thank God and I make mention of you always in my prayers. By the way, are you glad when people pray for you? Right? Now, how do you want people to pray for you? Do you want people to pray blessing on you? Absolutely. Or do you want to pray that, that people are praying like, God, get them? Right? But here's the thing. Are people thankful for you when you come in a room or are they thankful when you leave the room? It's like, was that too uncle? Was that too real? I'm sorry. So you, you're like, ha ha, wait a minute. But that's real, right? Are people thankful for you? If they're thankful for you, it's probably because love is flowing from you. Grace is flowing from you. They want to be with you because you bring light and hope into the space that you're in. And so this is what's going on. Philemon's this guy, man, Paul's like, man, I thank God for you. And I am praying for you. But he goes on and he says, he explains why. Bible students, I, I really want you to see this. Bible students, you need to understand what I'm about to share with you because this ties into the Gospels when Jesus has asked, what are the greatest commandments? Listen to this. He says this. He says, man, I'm thanking God for you. I'm making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love. Okay, what's the hearing of? His love and faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus. 
he loved God. He says, man, I'm thankful for you and I'm praying for you because I've heard of your love for God. That's what I've heard. I've heard about your love and your faith towards God. And then he goes on and says, and all the saints. So let's learn something about Philemon. Check this out. So he's loving God. He's loving others. So church, say love God. Say love others. Say repeat. <laughs> that's, that's how we do it. We love God. We love others. We repeat. Let's say it again. Love God. Love others. Repeat. That's what we're supposed to do. But how many of you guys have discovered it's not easy to love people? Do you know why it's hard to love people? Because people messed up. People are messed up. Sometimes people are unlovable. We're supposed to love them anyway. Why? That's what we're commanded to do. So here's a guy that's loving God. He's loving others, but he loves the lost. Listen to this. I am praying, and this is what I'm praying for. He goes on to say this, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So all the good stuff that's in you, Philemon, is from Jesus. And I pray that that good stuff that's in you from Jesus, you're going to continue to tell people about. You know what we call that? We call that our testimony. Are you telling people about the goodness of God in your life? Are you telling people how he's rescued you from darkness and brought you into the kingdom of the son of his love and in the kingdom of light? How your deeds have been exposed and as you came into the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed you from all sin. Are you telling people how much he loves you? Man, are you telling people? Guys, that's how we change the world. We change the world one person at a time. Right now, we're doing it on radio. We're doing it on TV. We're doing it all over the world right now. But when was the last time you stopped and told somebody your testimony? See, I do this thing when I go to the store and it embarrasses my wife. And I embarrass her all the time. So my wife, my wife's from the Midwest. She's from Chicago. So there's some rules that I didn't know about how we're supposed to behave. And of course, I grew up I grew up on a beach, and then I moved to Idaho in 1976. I've been there since then. So I'm like, I'm a little bit redneck. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, and so I go to the grocery store. I find the longest line to get in. Do you know why I get in the longest line? Because I'm always going to pick the wrong line anyway. And so I just pick the wrong, I pick the long line, and I pull in, and I wait. And then usually somebody gets behind me, and then I start to pray. And then I just start talking to people about Jesus. I start saying, hey, how's your day? And I go, oh, it's good. It's a little busy in here. I said, it, it is. If the person behind me is elderly and they've only got a couple of things, I'm like, why don't you go first, right? And then you can see all the other people going, what's up with this guy? And she goes, oh, that's very nice of you. Then somebody say, why did you do that? It's busy in here. I said, I did that because God's love compels me to be gracious and kind. And I can wait. And so can I tell you about Jesus? Right? Now, sometimes I'm in line and I start talking about Jesus. I get to the front of the line because people just get out of the way. It's like parting the sea. It's like, it's like, hey, there's some preacher over here. Everybody get out. It's happened on more than one occasion. My wife laughs when it happens. She goes, you, you can clear a room faster than a cop. I said, yes, I can. <laughs> I go into a parking lot with people that are like all loitering. I start talking about Jesus. They're like, they're gone. Cops show up and lights flashing. Everybody's like, what's happening? Like, I'm just going to talk to people about Jesus. Now, are you talking to people about Jesus? If, he, if you love God, 
If you love others, you're telling people about Jesus. Now, here's the next thing. Of all the good things in your life, James 1.17 says, all good things come down from the Father of lights. If there's something good in your life, it is from the Lord. Gentlemen, the Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. You need to take the time today to thank God for your wife. Ladies, I got nothing for you. You got to put up with him. <laughs> no, no, ladies. If you got a good man, you need to be thankful for that. You need to be thankful for the good things that are in your life. Okay, enough being funny. Let's move on. Now, check this out. He says of this man, he says, and for the, he says, for we have great joy. I love this sentence. We have great joy and peace or consolation, comfort in what? Your what? Love. He says, man, you're love, you love God. You love others. You love the lost. You're telling them about Jesus. And man, we have been refreshed by your love, as he goes on to say, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. How many of you guys in this room would say that you are Old Testament fans? You love the Old Testament. Who's like, oh, yeah, oh, good for you. There's my Old Testament people. Right on. <laughs> How many of you are like, Old Testament's boring. I could do without it. Okay. I'm going to try and change your mind. So hold on a second. The rest of you who didn't raise your hands, <laughs> yeah, y'all busted. Now, but here's the thing. We have a tendency to not think about the Old Testament the way we should. I want to share something with you about the Old Testament. How many of you guys know that in Genesis is where we find the first promise of a Savior? Genesis 3.15. First promise of a Savior. It's called the Proto-Evangelium for, for Bible students in the room, right? And then we see in Genesis chapter 12, we see a promise to Abraham that he, through him all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Well, then that promise is reaffirmed in chapter 15, chapter 17, again, a little bit in chapter 18. And then we see that, that what happens in chapter 22 of Genesis, where he takes Isaac up, right? And Isaac's like, hey, dad, we got wood, we got fire. Um, <laughs> where to sacrifice? <laughs> because Isaac wasn't stupid and he wasn't 12, right? And so Abraham and Isaac go up the hill and Abraham says, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And he did, it was Jesus. So what happens is we study the Bible and we forget how important the Old Testament is because I was raised, and I didn't know this when I was first a Christian, I thought the New Testament started in Matthew. Do you know why I thought the New Testament started in Matthew? Because there's a big old page that said New Testament. And then Matthew was the next book. Testament is a covenant. Do you guys realize that the, the, the New Covenant, the New Testament started when the church was born in Acts chapter 2? When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it's finished. That's at the end of the Gospels. So what are the Gospels for? What's the Old Testament for? Check this out. Think about it like a big doorway. The Old Testament's on this side, and the capstones of the Old Testament is Jesus fulfilling all the promises of the Old Testament and bring us over to the book of Acts, which you guys are studying together now, and lead us all the way through the New Testament. And so that's a great way to consider that. You, we need to know the Old Testament. But one of the things we learn about the Old Testament, we learn in the Old Testament, is that sin affects an entire people. Did you guys know that sin affects an entire people? The sin of a husband will affect his marriage. The sin of a wife will affect her household. The sin of children affects other children. The sin affects a people, not just a person. 
And you have to understand there's sin done by us, sin done to us, and sin done in our presence, and it all defiles us. And we all need the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from sin. But sin affects a whole people. Did you guys also know that love affects a whole group of people? Love affects a whole group of people. When there is real love in this house, it will change people when they walk through the doors. Listen, here's the, here's the reality, right? We at a church a lot like the church back home for me. If you're uncomfortable sitting next to people who smell like weed and booze, this isn't a place for you. Because we want broken people here. How many of you guys understand we want the house of God full of broken people? Because that's where they're going to get help. Jesus is here to help them. We want them here. And so when they come through, we're going to love them. Man, we had one dude vaping down the children's ministry hallway one day. And we're like, what are you doing? Because I'm going to get my kid. I'm like, you need to stop doing that. It didn't even occur to him that he shouldn't do it. He's like, he, he was just, his life was just broken. And we just loved him. We also told him to stop. Because we love our kids too, Right? We'll talk about that as we close up. There's a balance in these things. But here's the idea. This idea that love, love and grace can change a people just like sin can affect a people. The thing about the power that you find in a leader like Philemon is that, and also in Paul, is that the, the authority of a leader is found in their love, not in their title. And you need to understand something. Is that love is the thing that draws us to people. It's love. It's true love and true compassion for people. And if you love people, you tell them the truth, right? Well, because Philemon is such a great guy, Paul says this in verse 8. He says, therefore, because you're such a great dude, because you love God, you love people, you love the lost, and people are being refreshed by your love for them. He says, therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. He says, look, I could just tell you what to do and you need to do it. I could do that, but he says, but for love's sake, because of love, I'm gonna ask you to do this. I'm not gonna command you. By the way, you understand that Paul had some clout in the early church, right? He could have commanded, but he says, no, because of your love for God, your love for people, your love for the lost, and your love for your community, I'm going to ask you for love's sake to do this thing, which I'm going to ask you to do right now is a hard thing to do. Listen very carefully. What Paul's going to ask him to do is a hard thing to do. What I'm going to ask you to do today is going to be a hard thing to do because I'm going to ask you to love those who are unlovable. I'm going to ask you to love your enemies because God asks you to love your enemies. I'm going to ask you to do the hard thing. And that's what Paul, he says, for love's sake, I'm asking you to do the hard thing. I'm, gonna, I'm asking you to step up and do the hard thing. And he goes, he says this, he says, he says, for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. And then he says this. You understand there's a little bit of humor here. Being such a one as Paul, the missionary, the, the go-getter for the church, the aged and the prisoner of the Lord. Do you guys see the little bit of, uh, I'm not going to say uh, manipulation. I'm just going to say truth that he's dropping. He's like, Look, man, I could compel you, but I'm not going to do it for love's sake because you're a guy who loves God. You love, you love others. You love the lost. You refresh people with love. I'm going to ask you to do this, but remember who I am and remember I'm old and I'm in jail. Oh, come on. You, you don't see that? That's funny to me. I'm like, I look at that and I go, Paul's got a sense of humor, right? I look at that and I go, that's really, that's something else. But then he goes on, he says this. He says, this is the second appeal. He says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. 
Onesimus was a slave that belonged to Philemon who ran away. Onesimus means profitable. And then he goes, whom I have begotten while in my chains. He's my son in the faith. He's, he was lost, but now he's found. He's part of the body of Christ, and I can't just keep him with me. I need to send him back to make things right. Church, you need to make things right. If you've hurt people, you need to make things right. You can't just, you can't just walk away. You've got to make things right. Fix things. Make things right. Some of the weirdest things for me in our fellowship is to watch two people who were divorced, came to know Christ, got remarried, and then both ended up, all four of them ended up at church together. And to watch them worship together and to sort through that mess that was their lives by making things right. And they're not going to undo undo things. They came to Jesus after those issues, but they're they're making it right. They're going to fix those things. They're going to work those things out. We got to make things right with people. We can't just hurt people and walk off. We got to make it right. So Paul's asking him to do this. He says, he's asking Onesimus to go back. And he says, he says this, he says, he was once, he, he who is once unprofitable. He was, he was, he became unprofitable to you when he left you, but now is profitable to you and to me. He's asking him to do the hard thing. Church, there are times that we get asked to do the hard thing. Have you guys ever left church doing one of these going, ouch, ow, 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 Because the word of God just kind of cracked you across the tush. You know what I'm talking about? Like you, you come to church, you're like, oh, it's great to be here today. I'm so glad to be in God's house. And they open the Bible up. Pastor Ed opens the Bible up. He starts reading. You're like, I really wish I'd have stayed in bed. Because God's speaking to you through the Holy Spirit. When God's speaking to you, the Holy Spirit, he's giving you an opportunity for confession. He's giving you an opportunity to repent, to change your mind about things, to come to him. But here's the thing about love that I want to leave you guys with. Remember we talked about how important the Old Testament is? Did you guys know that when Paul and Titus and Timothy and Philemon and uh, these all these other guys were talking about the, the Bible, they were talking about the Old Testament. You guys familiar with that? And so Paul says something very interesting when he's writing to Timothy. He says this, he says, now the purpose, and this is in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. He says, now the purpose of the commandment, that's the word of God. He says, the purpose of the commandment is love. What's the purpose of the commandment, church? Love. The purpose of the commandment is love. When you don't understand the Old Testament, that's very hard to understand that. The purpose of the commandment is love, and it's from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere or unhypocritical faith. So the purpose of the commandment is love, but love comes out of those things when we've been made right before the Lord. But here's the thing he goes on to say. He says, from which some have strayed. Strayed from what? The commandment, and the commandment is love. But they've strayed from that, turning aside to what? Idle talk. There are people behind pulpits talking about stuff that we shouldn't be talking about. And there's stuff Christians are talking about online. We need to stop. We need to share the love and the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Use every vessel, every tool you got. We use all kinds of social media. We drop more than one, we drop, we drop more than one video a day. We, we busy as a church. Social media-wise, we got stuff going on and out. And it's all about Jesus. There are things that don't belong here. 
Paul goes on to tell Timothy, look, the Word of God shows us what is right, what is wrong, how to get right, how to stay right. So, young man, preach the Word. If you're a young guy in here, young gal in here, you want to be teaching, you preach the Word. You don't preach other stuff. You preach the Word. That's what we're called to do. I'm not going to get caught up in this other stuff. Well, these guys got caught up in idle talk. Listen, desiring to be teachers of what? The law. And the purpose of the commandment is what? Love. But they want to be teachers of the commandment, of the law, and understand neither the things which they say nor the things which they affirm. I want to share with you guys about my first experience in a church. Remember, I was 20 years old when I, I, I received Jesus. I was a mess. I was a bar musician when I was 16, okay? I played in a reggae band. That was my first band I played in. I, was, I played reggae music, right? I love reggae music. I couldn't play it worth a darn, but I loved reggae music. And so I got quickly replaced, and then I played in a funk band. And I was the only white guy in the band. And so they started calling me Tyrone, and that's my alias. I actually... Actually, I went, my scholarship plaques at the university where I went to school say Tyrone on them. All my professors call me Tyrone. I, I'm, like, I'm like, okay. So I, I'm playing in these bands. I'm doing all this stuff. That was my life. And I had this encounter with Jesus. And as I have this encounter with Jesus, I need to find church. And so I go to the only church that I knew of, which was a little Bible church in an A-frame on our campus. And I went to this little university Bible church and I went in there and I sat down in the back. And I had an usher come, grab me hard enough by the arm to bruise me, to pick me up and say, you cannot be here. And I'm like, por qué? And why not? And he said, because you have long hair. Yes, I had hair. This is punishment for a mullet. <laughs> I'm just saying. I had, the part, I had the party in the back, business in the front, you know. But he said, you can't have long hair and be in church. You're a man, you can't have long hair. And he escorted me out of the church. Now, later on, I learned where that passage is from. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, to which Paul says, we as the church have no such customs. This man wanted to be a teacher of the word, but he didn't even know the word. And if he would have known the word, he didn't know what I needed was the love of the body of Christ, not a haircut. God took care of the haircut. <laughs> See, if there's something that needs to be changed in your life, God's going to handle it. He's going to get it done. But you know what we need to do as a church? We need to love people. We need to love people in all their mess. Because there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you come to Jesus with all your mess, you're going to be loved. And you're going to be loved here. I want to share a couple things as I close up with you. The purpose of the commandments, right? If you're a note taker, i got a few things for you to write down. It's like I probably have a whole other Bible study where there's stuff in here. I'm just going to share a few things with you. First of all, when we talk about the commandments, the purpose of the commandment is love. Listen to this. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, Jesus is confronted by a Pharisee, a doctor of the law, and he says to Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? What does Jesus say? 
You shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In this, fulfill all the law and the prophets. In the Gospel of Mark, we see in Mark's account that he is, he is approached by a scribe who are like the lawyers of the day. So it could have been very much the, uh, this typical, it could have been the same event or a different one. But in Mark 12, 28 through 34, the same thing happens. Jesus answers the same way. But then we get to one of my favorite gospels, which is the gospel of Luke. And in the gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 20, uh, it's 27 through, what was it? 25 through 37. Jesus is confronted by a lawyer and Jesus doesn't answer. He says to the lawyer, well, what do you think it says? And what does the lawyer say? You shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You shall love your neighbors yourself. And Jesus says, you are right. What's the purpose of the commandment, church? Love. Jesus says the purpose of the commandment, to fulfill the commandment, is to what? Love God, love others, repeat. Say it with me. Love God, love others, repeat. Now, I love what we find, where we find these. That's Deuteronomy, by the way. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. That's where we find love God. But then we find in Leviticus 19, 18, that's where we find love neighbor. And they put it all together. In Psalm 19, 7, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. What's the purpose of the commandment? Is love. And I love what Paul says in Romans 2, 4. He says in Romans 2, 4, he says, do you not know it is the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance? The love of God changes your life and the love of God will change other people's lives. Church, we're to love God, love others. And we're to take that love into the world and show grace to people in real time because God's grace is available for them. But there's two things that are, this is the hard thing I'm gonna ask you to do. This is like Paul asking Philemon to receive Onesimus. I'm gonna ask you to love your enemies. Now, here's the good thing. You're not going to have to be mad at me because I'm not asking you directly. I'm asking you on behalf of the Word of God. Because it tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44, that we are to love our enemies, those who come against us, those who want to use us, we're to love our enemies. Do you know why it's hard to love your enemies? Because they're your enemies. Hello? That's, that's, that's an easy answer. Luke 6, 27 and 28 tells us the same thing. We are to love our enemies. So I want to share with you how we do this. How do we love in a world that's so full of indifference and hate? Well, in our fellowship, we, we, we have a culture. We say it's love over fear. Do you know why we say it's love over fear? Because it tells us in 1 John that true love does what? Casts out fear. Because fear involves what? Torment. How many people do you know won't come to church because they're afraid to come to church? Do you know why they're afraid to come to church? Because they don't know if there's going to be love here. But if there's love here, that love will cast out their fears and they will sit down in their mess and their muck and their mire and they will begin to know who Jesus is through the word of God. Right? Oh, yeah, you can clap for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, 100%. Now, Here's what I want you to realize. I want to talk about this. We live in a weird world, okay? And I'm going to do something. I need you to pretend with me. I'm a creative person, so I, I do a lot of things with pictures. I, sometimes I use a whiteboard when I teach and spell everything wrong so people know it's okay. But I want you to put the word, like right here, the word hate, right here. Put the word hate. You ever got the word hate? 
You have a little box of word right here? Okay, word, this is hate. Then over here, we're going to draw a line, and we're going to put the word, word affirm over here. Now, here's the problem with the world that we live in right now, especially as Christians. They're only giving us two options in this world right now, especially in the Western world. Eastern world, hmm, this is not an issue. In the Western world, here's the issue. They say to me, you have to affirm my sin or you hate me. You understand, it's, it's a linear line. That's all I get. And that they put me in one of two categories. Either you affirm or you hate. Hold on a second. I am told I can't hate my enemies by God. And if I'm a Christian man, I don't, I don't hate my enemies. So I can't hate you. Don't say I hate you. I can't hate you. But I also cannot affirm you either because I love you. Because I love you, I'm going to tell you what the love of God. I'm going to tell you what you're doing right now before God has some issues. And you need to repent, change your mind about those things, and follow God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to step up, and I'm going to come up here for love's sake. I'm not going to hate you. I'm not going to affirm you. But church, there's something we doing. We doing a lot of hate online. Church, we doing a lot of hate online. We need to stop this stuff. There is stuff that does not belong in a pulpit. Man, the pulpit is for the word of God. I had a, I don't, I don't talk about, I don't talk about world stuff. I, I, I address cultural issues like I am now. But I had a couple, they were new to the church. <laughs> They'd moved into our area, you know. And they said, well, we want to know where you stand with your, you know, your, your political views. And I said, I'm not having this conversation with you in church. I don't talk, I'm going to talk about the love of Jesus. I'm going to talk about the word of God because that's what the pulpit's for. I've been called to preach the word of God. If I was supposed to be a politician, I would leave the pulpit. I'd become a politician. That, that's it. If I'm on, it, I'm, this is not a platform for that. And so they said, but they pushed me. They pushed me. I had one of our security guys with me. His name's Chris. Love this guy. Chris and I go outside and I said, okay, I will not have this conversation with you in the church. Let's go out in the parking lot. So we went out in the parking lot and we actually went out to the cars. And they looked at me and said, okay, so which side of the aisle are you on? And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, give me wisdom. And I just looked at him. I said, okay, here's the deal. I, I, you want to know which side of the aisle I'm on? Listen, here's the deal. I'm not this side. I'm not that side. I'm a monarchist. I believe in the rule of one king. He's coming back and he will fix it all. And I just said, that's surreal. That's just how it is, right? I never saw him again. <laughs> Do you know why? Because they wanted to hate. And I wouldn't let them hate. They wanted to say things about people. They wanted to say hateful things about people. We can't be doing that, church. That is not what we're called to do. You and I are not called to hate. We're not even supposed to hate our enemies. And you know, I'm going to be honest with you. That verse bothers me. Those verses bother me. Lord, I want to hate my enemies because they're my enemies. And the Lord's like, no, don't do that. That's not how you win them to me. You win them by loving them. But do you realize that loving your enemies could cost you everything? Did you guys know that? My choice to say I'm going to preach the word of God has cost me hundreds of relationships because of people who want to hate. 
I shared this idea of not hating and not affirming, but loving, coming to that, the other option, which is to, a biblical option. We had a family leave the church. And I, I reached out to him. I said, oh, no, 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 because we hate. And we've decided to hate. Church, I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't understand why people are choosing to do what they know God tells them not to do. We're counseling people right now. People are getting divorced. And they say to us as pastors, well, we know it's wrong and we know we shouldn't do it, but we've decided we're going to do it anyway. What is wrong with us? So maybe you're here today and you got some hate. Maybe you got some hate going on and maybe it's just, a, maybe you've been watching a little bit too much <laughs> news. You know what I'm saying? You got some hate going, you need to let that go because you're not going to win anybody with hate. And maybe you're so tired of hate, you've come over here and you're just saying, but I'm just, you know what? If that's what they want to do, that's fine. I'm just going to let them do it. No, maybe you need to repent of that. And maybe you need to come to the place of saying, if I'm going to love people, I'm going to share with them the testimony of Jesus that they might know Jesus and run away from their sin and have eternal life. But I'm not going to hate people and I'm not going to affirm them. I'm going to love them because God has called me to love God, to love others, and to repeat that process and take that out into the world and to refresh the church with my love that God has given me to give to them. That's what we've got to do, church. So let's all stand and let's pray together. Father God, you are so good and we are so messed up. <laughs> And we need your help because, Lord, we need your help to do these very things. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, for those that right now they might need a, they might need a touch from your spirit to just say, I, I, I got hate in my heart. I got to let it go. Maybe there's people today that just don't know you. They've never confessed with their mouth. They've never believed in their heart that they could be saved. Maybe today they need to, they need to with their heart, they need to believe God and with their mouth, they need to confess and make, make that confession into salvation. Lord, I pray that you would do only that sovereign work that you can do and draw people to yourself and you would add to the church daily those that would be saved. But Lord, I also ask that you would do a work of healing where we have hatred. Lord, a work of truth where we have compromise. And you do that in and through each one of us as we love you and love one another. In Jesus' name. God's kids say... Amen. Church, you are loved. You are a family. Never forget it. Let's give the Lord a hand. Let's praise him. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, Visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.